podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show Edge Rush in association with Betfred. Hey, oh, do you like the way that my Edge Rush is getting better every week? Yeah, because I actually remember, because obviously I edit this podcast as well as being on it, and I actually well, remember sure. the, first, the first one was incredibly uh, stiff and was pretty it? unnatural, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you, because I don't want to... I don't want you to think it. What, was the, what was the first one like? I can I go think back just, I, Yeah, I think you just go, welcome to the Nat Coombe show, Edge Rush. Edge Rush. <laughs> yeah, as if it was a question. I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, we should always exactly. do Edge Rush like that from now on. I love yeah. that. Uh, Edge Rush, we are back. Uh, we are back in business, proper because uh, that Acker freight train, not just back on the tracks, but back on the tracks and then some back up to a two-week winning streak after our Acker dropped last week. Yeah, and another exciting one as well. Obviously, a little bit. It was almost over before it started with that Buffalo Bills game, but um, Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills defense came through with that last second Hail Mary. I mean, I just, I think we have to say, I was getting a tiny bit worried. I was getting a little, well, you were the person who was saying that you suddenly (laughs) backed the Colts at that point and that you told me convincingly that the Colts were definitely the team going to cover. And then as soon as the Bills took, what, that 14-point lead, you were like, I always knew the Bills were going to win this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you think last week was bad, this week's get even harder in that respect you and I have been flip-flopping backwards and forwards on every game all week (laughs) just uh, instill confidence in our listeners straight off the bat there Um, but look the Acker landed which was great we we were on Baltimore as well which of course landed we like the over in the Rams game so generally a pretty good week again for us last week we won't we won't talk too much about the failures. I'd rather celebrate the successes. Than yeah. <laughs> than yeah. The no, we have to, we, at some point, we do have to address that my uh, prop bets are on a little bit of a losing streak. I mean, yeah. you know it's going badly when you lose a bet despite the player not taking a snap. In Ronald Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know it's not going too well. And also, beat. the best thing about it was that Leonard Fournette then continued to go for 90-plus yards and score a touchdown, which just makes you feel even 10 times worse. But at the same time, <laughs> we move on and we keep going. We keep going. We keep moving we that. That's what I like. That's what I like. Positive energy, positive attitude. Let's get down to it then. So there are four games, of course, in the divisional round. Each one very difficult to call but we've got some angles on some of them that we feel reasonably good about others I think we're going to talk through the games we're going to put forward arguments and you know I guess if we kind of lean one way great Uh, and you at home of course will be playing along in the same way it gets tougher when you get to this stage of proceedings and that's uh, that is part and parcel of it I guess let's start with the Rams Packers intriguing game of course with the top scoring offense in the NFL up against the best defense in the NFL. Exactly. I think that is the main focus for this game. The line is currently Green Bay are favoured by six and a half points Mm -hmm. and the over-under is at 45 and a half. The action on this game is very interesting. So in both instances, on both the over and the point spread, the majority of bets have been going in one direction, but the money and the lines have been going in another. So for example, the over has been, there's been a lot of bets on the over, mm-hmm. but the amount of money has been coming in on the under. And that's why we've seen this line move from 46 and a half to 45 and a half. And also majority of bets have been coming in on Green Bay. Cause as I said, I think they are the most popular team in the NFL right now with obviously Aaron Rodgers 
almost certainly going to win the MVP. Everyone mm-hmm. focusing on them. But at the same time, so the bets are going on Green Bay, but the money is going in on the Rams. And that's why this line has moved from seven to six and a half as the week has gone on. That is fascinating. And, and it kind of faintly reassures me because it doesn't always work this way, of course. But typically, if the money is going one way, the sharps are going with that, right? So yeah. I, early on, and just to reiterate, we flip-flopped on every game 74 times already this week. <laughs> but early on, and I think even now, straight off the bat, I'm leaning towards the Rams with the points. And I'll, and I'll put it forward. And, and the asterisk, the caveat is pretty obvious and self-evident, which is the quarterback situation, because that is so unclear at the time of us recording this anyway, which is Thursday morning. If, if Goff starts, is his thumb going to be knackered? Is Wolford going to be out of concussion? Uh, is Wolford going to be uh, fit from his stinger? Who's going to start? What kind of shape are they going to be in? And I think that does significantly affect what kind of offense I think is going to be rolling here. But let's start with the positives for the Rams defensively, right? And whether they are a team that can slow down Rodgers to the degree, at least for them to cover the line we're talking about here. If you look this season at where the Packers have struggled, the Bucks game was, was perhaps the most significant and certainly the weakest offensive performance of the season. And you look at how the Bucks shut down that offense and how the Rams can replicate that with pressure, with stifling the run, which of course puts Rogers onto a, a different trajectory. If that, if Aaron Jones is stifled to a, a significant enough degree, and then of course, Jaden Ramsey in the mix, but also the secondary full stop Ramsey on Adams. Sure. That's going to be something everybody talks about, but it's more collectively. If that run game is, is stopped. If Rogers doesn't have time, if he's pressured a lot and the matchup in terms of the Rams secondary against amazing wide receiver and a cast of let's face it indifferent also rounds that Rogers elevates because he's so good. All of those reasons uh, lean me towards the Rams keeping this competitive at the very least, making sure that they can stop the Packers accelerating away from them. So the problem I have is on the other side of the ball. What's your perspective on that? Or do you think there's going to be a major difference in terms of offensive capability if it's Goff or if it's Wolford? I actually don't purely based off my faith in Sean McVay. I think that he will be able to adapt to this offense as we saw him do pretty swiftly with Jared Goff when Wolford went out of the game against the Seahawks. And I think that no matter which quarterback is in there, I think Sean McVay will have a relevant plan to take down this Packers defense. I think whether it's Wolford or Goff, I think the Rams offensive success will basically be solely based on the run game. Mm. I think Akers tore up one of the best run defenses in the league in the Seahawks mm. last week. The Packers ranked 21st in yards allowed per carry. Mm-hmm. So if Akers and Brown have success, the play action rolls with Jared Goff and the Rams have a chance. And if it's Wolford, then Wolford also has a chance to tear it up with the legs. See, going into last week's defense. game, it's a, it's, it's a great point. And, and, and Akers, you're absolutely right, is, is pivotal. But going into last week's game, one of the, uh, either one of the pods we were doing or one of the uh, columns I was doing, I can't remember where I made this point, but I was less worried about the Goff-Wolford. There are the upside with, with both, right? Wolford's obviously more mobile, adds a different dimension in that respect. There's not much tape on him, so defences don't really know him as well. Goff, vastly more experienced. When he's on song, is yeah. better than his detractors suggest, right? But then I saw Goff <laughs> play. You know I'm a Goff fan, right? I like yeah, Goff. Yeah, I think yeah. he's better than people 
people reckon. Do you think another week? And do you think another week might allow his thumb to heal a little bit more, and he might be actually be able to spin the ball? Well, you'd hope so, and you'd hope he's going to be significantly better than he looked last week. And, and yeah. look, I didn't think they intended to play him, right? I mean, that was uh, you know, I, I clearly he wasn't able to, and, no. and credit to him for his guts and just getting it done. Yeah. So yeah, he probably and not turning the ball over. Yeah, that's true. Which has been his his big issue yeah. all season. The other thing I thought was quite interesting. I'm keen to get your take on it all. So you've got McVeigh versus Lafleur, right? Mm-hmm. And as we know, McVeigh has an unbelievable memory, right? Like, yeah, ridiculous yeah, yeah. photographic memory. So, in all seriousness, I wonder how much of a problem. I mean, you could argue it that works both ways, and I don't know. Maybe Lafleur equally has a. You know, an unbelievable recollection of things, plays that happened 11 years ago in high school, whatever McVeigh manages to wheel out. But I wonder if that is a bit of an edge that the, the familiarity angle, which is sometimes, I think, overplayed. I wonder if that in this instance, Lafer hasn't been that far gone in terms of flying from the nest. McVeigh is incredible in that respect. I wonder whether he is going to have a bit of an edge there, McVeigh, in, in, in anticipating what Lafleur might be dialing up. Yeah, I think. There's very few coaches in the league that will be able to go head to head solely with McVeigh in terms of play calling. Like I really do back Sean McVeigh as being one of the best coaches in the league and for the reasons you suggested. And I think that's why we're both here leaning towards the Rams, keeping it closer than potentially the spread suggests. I was obviously a little bit more... um, I was a little bit more tempted by the seven, the six and a half, you know what yeah. we're like now. Yeah. We're, we're a little bit, it's always slightly scary because all it takes is Play one touchdown near the end. Yeah, and the number inflates. But at the same time, like I just think that this game will be pure. Like, all I, I just really don't, and this is what I'm hoping Sean McVay doesn't do. All I don't want to do is see John Wolford going into shotgun, sitting in the pocket and throwing the ball, whether it's Goff or Wolford, I don't mm. want to see that happen in any instance, because I don't think that's going to be a recipe for success because I think that when you consider how good this Packers coverage is, mm. Jerry Alexander is easily yeah. one of the best corners in the league. I don't want him seeing seeing either quarterback, whichever one's playing, sitting back and throw, trying to throw the ball to Cooper Cup and throw the ball to um, Robert Woods. I just don't mm. want to see that. What I want to see is jet sweeps. I want to see play action. I want to see mm-hmm. them trying to utilize the run as much as they can. I think Akers yeah. is going to be absolutely key in this game. Mm. And I think that's the way. And if there's one coach in this league, Nat, who can succeed by primarily doing such plays and running such an offense. I do think it's Sean McVay. Yeah, That's I think the one a, thing I've got faith in. It's a really fair call. Hey, listen, all I've got, a, I've got a, a, a question for you. You'll enjoy right? So yeah, the Packers have committed 11 turnovers this, this year, right? Which is yeah. the, the best lowest in the NFL. Is that more or less than Jared Goff has on his own? There's got to be less, surely. It is less. Okay. Is it, what's, the, what's the line, would you say, on how many less? <sighs> so if you were going to put money on it now, yeah. what would it be? Which so 11 turnovers for the yeah. whole Packers offense. Yeah. I'd probably say four. Oh, oh, so close. Six fewer than Jared Goff <laughs> on his own. The flip side of oh that, my God. the Packers have only forced 25 turnovers, right? Yeah. Uh, 18 of those... Uh, sorry, well, there are 25 turnovers, 18 were forced and seven were fumble recoveries, right? So to follow your line through, if it is Goff and he can correct that challenge that has wound McVay up for a lot of the season, which is being free wheeling with the ball, then yeah. that I think is, is going to be critical. It's not, an, it's not a defense 
capable that it is, of course, that that is necessarily playmaking in that respect, right? So, I mean, that's going to be that's going to be key. So, look, what are we saying here? I think we like we like the Rams to be competitive. I understand what you're saying. Play the number. You could maybe shave a bit of a bit of heat off and, and take it to seven with the alt spread. And uh, it could be worth looking, particularly if you're yeah. going to maybe tease this with something else. I do feel more comfortable with seven. I think I'm going to take a look at six and a half as well. Yeah, no, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, I think the Packers are going to win. That's the thing here, isn't it? I think that the, this is game is going to be much closer than the line suggests. I don't think it's necessarily going to be seven points. I, I think generally speaking, like it's incredible that we're seeing in a divisional round of the NFL, two spreads that are basically a touchdown or higher. Like that is, that is crazy to me, yeah. but considering the, the quality of the teams that have to be to get there um, in the first place. And then, but I just, we haven't actually discussed, I just want to get a quick, your thoughts on the other side of the ball in terms mm. of the Rams defense. Mm against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has thrown more touchdowns than Green Bay have had punts this year. But it's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. But then I do think that's largely due to their division and how weak their division is defensively. Mm. But the one area that I think is going to be critical in this game is the protection for Rodgers on the left side. Yeah. No Bakhtiari is yeah. massive. Huge. Because guess who's... It's not Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's coming straight up the middle, which is going to cause your own problems. You're yeah. going to want to double team him throughout. But coming from that left side is a man that you're a big fan of and who has been excellent all season. That's Leonard Floyd. Mm-hmm. And I think that he is going to get in Roger's face consistently throughout this game. As you said earlier on, against the Bucks, he was pressured and he failed. Mm. He was pressured on 44% of his dropbacks that day. Yeah. LA entered this game with a league high pressure rate since week 14 of 51%. Mm. This, this is where the game is going to get really interesting for me. I don't think we're going to see the Rams putting up a lot of points. I just don't see it being possible. I don't think they're going to go sort of 25 plus and we're going to see a shootout by any stretch of the imagination. But what they can do is dominate possession mm. with the run game. Yeah. Get Cam Akers going. My prop bet for this game is actually Cam Akers to have... Um, more receiving yards than the line suggests. I saw it at about 14 and a half, 15 and a half, but Betfred are yet to release that. So I'd focus mm-hmm. on that and Cam Akers to score a touchdown. Um, Green Bay have allowed the eighth most touchdowns to running backs and the third most receiving yards to the position. So mm-hmm. I expect an Akers has been incredibly efficient in that part of the game. So I think that's where the game is going to be won or lost for the Rams. But I don't see the Packers necessarily scoring that many points either. That's yeah. the thing. And then just get, I just want a quick take before we move on that. Mm. Who wins? Adams Ramsey. Uh, I'm Ramsey all the way. I'm Ramsey all the way. Hey, look, I, I, I love this Rams defense, and I think we all do, right? And it's and, and I'm, I, for obvious reasons, they're the best in show. They're the best defense in in the NFL, but because defense just doesn't get as much attention, it you know was always been the way, right? But I think when you've got a player like Ramsey, who is the closest in terms of our generation, this generation to to Deion Sanders in terms of. Yeah, and I know there have been some brilliant Revis and but he has got he's got the goods. I love his showmanship. I think he has demonstrated time and again that when he's up against elite receivers, 
he can take it down. I, I think I think Ramsey gets the bell. That's going to be a brilliant matchup, though. Mm. And, and look, hey, Adams, what a season he has had. So that's certainly not a clear call and a straightforward call. But hey, not less, not least because he's friend of the show, Jalen Ramsey, as well, right? I mean, w- w- we've interviewed no, Jalen Ramsey. He's been on the show. So we'll, if Devontae is. Adams had had stumped up for an interview, then you know maybe I'd have a different different perspective on that. All right, Baltimore Buffalo next. Oh boy, this is a pick him if ever if ever I saw. Wow, one. wow. What are we looking at in terms of the numbers here, Rob? The numbers have been, I mean, it's been volatile all week. Mm. It's, it's been, it started at two and a half, which is now where it is, but it's been up to three in favor of Buffalo, but it's been mm-hmm. up to three in favor of Buffalo. It's been down to one and a half. It's been at two. It's literally just going up and down. I think there's one thing we know if there's a home team with a two and a half point spread that mm-hmm. means that the bookies and vegas and betfred have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in this game they're saying because this is i mean in a normal world normal season that line is three right in terms of yeah. field advantage yeah so you're basically saying if they played on a neutral field you know yeah. essentially that's kind of weather now i know that's feels like it's been negated to a degree obviously buffalo had fans in last time out they will again uh, and, and, and it was that, pretty loud at points it was yeah, pretty loud if there's gonna be one, yeah, the bills mafia yeah they'll be going for it i don't know how much because of course it's environment and noise and acoustics and everything else and, and definitely you know when you're talking about a team like seattle in particular right we know how much yeah. impact the, the 12th man can have but i think it's more than that it's it's the travel it's the familiarity in terms of being around the facility or you know in your at home in your own environment in the build-up to the game i think that counts for something as well particularly right now in 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 terms of the world we're living in in covid so i don't know how important home field advantage is what do you think this going into this these playoffs how much of an edge if any does it give give a home team do you know what do you know what it's time for now it's time for the weather report oh yeah yeah 40 percent chance of snow Wow, now we're talking a snow game in Buffalo. Lamar Jackson Mm. has never played in snow. (laughs) Well, wowzers. 40% at the time of recording. Okay, okay. That is interesting. Although, you know, is that going to... How much does that affect a player like Lamar Jackson? I would say significantly less than a lot of other quarterbacks. Yeah, that's true. Although if it's it's not turf, is it? So he could be quite slippy under feet. Mm-hmm. Like if he's I mean, if he's uh, he's going to get those long studs going. So I, I don't know if you've never played in it before. You're going to be uncomfortable, as you just said. It's all about that environment. It's all about that familiarity. And if you're I bet going, you can handle situation, it. All though, yeah, you can handle. Not playing in the snow. Oh yeah, one hundred percent easy. Easy. Prefer, anything, right? I prefer it. Yeah, I prefer the adversity. You know, sub zero temperatures. You prefer yeah, that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You don't even yeah. bother. You don't you, gloves. You don't bother with that. You don't bother with that kind of hand warmer thing. You're just like straight, straight, and in, straight into it. Yeah. Always, always. I think it's easy. I think it's easier, if anything, because everyone else is playing worse and obviously staying at the same level, same level and if not improving. So that's... <laughs> so let's look at, so last week, right? Let's look, the reason we, we, we went with Baltimore in, in the Titans game, the primary reason was that we felt there was more upside with Baltimore if the core offense was neutralized, right? So the argument that we put forward was both lean on the ground games, if you can neutralize Henry, what do Tennessee do next? And the and the problem, the flaw in the Tennessee offense is the neutralization of Henry to, to a significant degree negates to a reasonable degree the play action, puts too much pressure on on Tannehill and that passing offense. 
and that's what we saw play out. The flip side of that is, well, you shut down the ground game of, uh, of Baltimore, it, by which I mean Edwards and Dobbins. And what happens next? What do Baltimore have next? And we talked about Lamar and the X factor that he has, which he demonstrated in one of the great playoff plays uh, of well uh, 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 forever and certainly certainly in recent memory, right? So let's look at this game in the same way, right? If Baltimore can shut down Diggs, let's take Diggs, right? If, if you know, this is Belichick looking at this, he'd be like, let's take Diggs out of the game. Can Allen do enough with John Brown, with, with Cole Beasley, obviously, who's on last week's show, he said, was, was really significant. Dawson Knox as well. And Allen's not the runner that Lamar is, but he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's certainly not a million miles away. So does he have enough of a supporting cast around him? Does he offer enough to be able to extend plays, to scramble and scrabble for a first down, to keep drives alive when things are... Uh, when things are falling apart around him, can he evade pressure? All of those things. Yeah, I think absolutely he can in a way. And Tannehill's a decent runner as well, but not as strong as Allen. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is even if this strong Baltimore defense get the upper hand in terms of the passing game, or certainly in terms of taking down the number one threat, I think there are other weapons around that Dable and co might be able to keep in the game and keep the chains moving. And I think Alan can do that quite comfortably as well. If, uh, if we have, if they have to revert to, to plan B. So that is why I'm slightly shading leaning towards Buffalo here, but it is really, really jammed. I mean, this is to me the definition of a pickup at the moment. Definitely. And I think one of the most interesting things about this for me is the fact that from a matchup perspective, I don't know if this could be any worse for the Buffalo Bills. Mm. They are Their weakness in their team that everyone is aware of is their rushing defense. And yeah. they're going up against the number one rushing offense in the league. They're also yeah. going up against one of the best passing defenses in the league. I mean, they literally have a cornerback selection of Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith. It doesn't mm. really get much stronger than that. Marcus Peters is an interception machine. Mm. And I honestly think that Buffalo going into this, if you break it down just from a man-to-man perspective, I think are potentially this is the one of the worst games they could have asked they for could have had. in the playoffs. You know, on um, that, because I know you love a stat, and, and actually uh, for the benefit of our listeners, <clears throat> probably unaware, I'm seeing all on camera here. I mean, up to... You know, up to his waist, piles and piles of old school <laughs> Xerox paper with charts and graphs and stats. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's all you've been doing, right? Since we last recorded Edge Rush is... Yeah, it actually know, has been. And this is the issue with it. There's so, so many stats, but so little certainty. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you'll love this. So here's the kicker stat for me when it comes to the Bills Achilles heel. During... Uh, or in the three losses they've had this season, three games they've lost, opponents have averaged 200 yards plus per game. So you get the ground game rolling against the Bills, you got a fighting chance of winning. The flip side of that, in games, and another stat for you, because I know you love them all, in games this season that Josh Allen has averaged more than six and a half yards per pass attempt, what do you think the Bills' record is? Mm, 11-0. and 13-0. Including Jeez, the players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is ridiculous. So they get the air, the, the air, if you can contain and particularly, obviously the, 
that the length of pass is critical there. If you can force them down to the slot to essentially take certainly digs and, and to an extent brown out of the game, you got a fighting chance. If you can't do that, then it gets messy. And this is exactly what we're talking about because the team that's going to have one of the best opportunities to do that in the league is Baltimore, is the Baltimore Ravens. This is an absolute nightmare matchup for the Buffalo Bills. We haven't even gotten to the dual quarterback, the dual threat quarterback stat yet. Mm, The last two they played were Kyler Murray and Cam Newton, who averaged over five yards per carry and both scored two touchdowns between them. They have had absolute Mm. disasters when trying to stop dual threat quarterbacks. And they are going up against the king of dual threat quarterbacks in the league right now in Lamar Jackson. But at the same time, at the same time that in the same way as you, I am leaning towards the Bills purely based off the fact that there has been several times throughout this season where the mentality of the Buffalo Bills in prior seasons and what we've seen from them historically going against big teams in prime time, in big matchups, they have tended to under-deliver. This season has just been the direct opposite of that. Every time I've watched the Buffalo Bills in prime time, standalone games, Josh Allen has been like nothing short of sensational. And when we're talking about a player going up against some of the best passing defenses in the league, which Baltimore certainly are, Mm -hmm. he has scored 87 points against the Dolphins this season. That is easily what the second best cornerback duo in the league in Byron um, Jones and Xavier Howard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 87 points against those two teams. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's 26 against the Steelers, 34 against the 49ers, Mm. 35 against the Rams. Mm. He is not scared of this Baltimore Ravens team. And also I think the one, everyone's going to focus on that Colts game and how they did not look near to their best and they were firing in the regular season, but they got to the playoffs and they stuttered a little bit. But let's be honest, it's a lot more daunting when you haven't won a playoff game in what, 150 years? Was that the last time Buffalo Bills won a playoff game? Five years, I think it was. Yeah, it's something something ridiculous. Like that's a lot more daunting of a prospect because that's that's such a massive... What's the, what's the phrase? Something off your back? Monkey off your back? Yeah. And, and speaking of which, Lamar Jackson's won a playoff game now, right? So, I yes, mean, that's, that's true. So it's, the both, so it's for both of them, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> there is ridiculous, ridiculous narrative. But that Never one I wasn't buying game. into the same. That one I wasn't buying into the same. There looked to be, because Sean McDermott was about to go 0-3 in playoff games as a head mm. coach if he had lost that game. I think this hey, year, that if he'd lost that game, that would have been a little bit different for sure because of... Uh, uh, the promise of the Bills, but we look, we talked about it on last week's show. That's why I almost talked us out of the Bills pick that the positioning they've got now is not an underdog, which they're you know, perennial. Certainly, you know, since the uh, the the Jim Kelly era, they're not perennial underdogs. They uh, sorry, they're not the favourites. They they're used to being underdogs. They're used to being the also rounds, of course, in in the AFC East. And this year, it wasn't it scrapped into the playoffs. And oh, look, slightly patronisingly, oh, the Bills are in the playoffs this year. They are they're the team that can take the Chiefs down. Look, we we went into it on last week's show, and I do think that has a different creates a different dynamic. But the way they played against the Titans, I guess, told us a lot of what we need to know in terms of how they're embracing that. And certainly Allen, I think you nailed that with Allen. He's fearless. It's not just his ability that has been enhanced. We talked about on our radio show on Sunday that the way that he, I think it was Ross Tucker making the point, if you look at his year-on-year percentage completion improvement, it's extraordinary. It's not just down to digs there. It's not just down to... Dayball, those are both fundamental parts of that, but it's down to Allen as well. He is a quarterback that is getting better and better. And the range of his 
uh, ability is is critical as well. He can do so many different things, right? He just seems to be a really rounded quarterback. And that's not a knock on Lamar. That wasn't a kind of veiled comparison to Lamar because, I'm, again, in terms of patronizing takes, this idea that still persists, right? That, uh, that Mike Tanier, uh, again, friend of the show, great, great writer. And he, was, he made a really, really good point about uh, Lamar Jackson is still... Um, the kind of quarterback that your father-in-law doesn't particularly like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was yeah. great. So, you know, this it, ridiculous, but we've talked at length, certainly on Edge Rush, about the shortcomings with the offense for Lamar around him, right? And and this brings those two examples together quite clearly. We've made the made the connection a number of times this season that Lamar needs a step on Diggs, right? And if he had someone like Diggs, we'd be talking about an altogether different Baltimore offense, but he doesn't have it. I still think it's unbelievably close to call. So listeners, I don't feel hugely strongly when I say I'm leaning bills, but if I'm put on the spot, I'm taking Buffalo just. Listen, if you did nothing but bet the bills and the Ravens since Thanksgiving, you're 13 and one against the spread. Okay. Yes, okay. which is, to me, these two teams are two of the best teams in the NFL. This is mm-hmm. going to be an incredible game mm. to watch. And as I've said, Buffalo are not scared to take on one of the better defences in the NFL. And that's what this Baltimore Ravens are. Mm. Buffalo, with all due respect, are not very good at defending the run, which the Ravens are incredible at. They got absolutely destroyed by Jack Doyle last week. Which, right. which means, and I know I do this every week, but which I do see Mark Andrews having a big game. Here we go. It's the Mark, go. Andrews. Mark Andrews. Can we get Mark I Andrews love, to sponsor your prop bet? I would I love Mark Andrews to feel about that. Prop bet. I think that he's going to have a big Mark game Andrews proper prop week. bet of the week. Yeah, okay. exactly. He's always going to be in there. So do you know what that means, Nat? What does it mean? Keep an eye on the weather. It could mm-hmm. be, it could be, um, it could Stubby. be in biblical was the word I was looking for. But if it's not, if it's anything less than that, I'm taking the over. Okay. Oh, he's going over. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm going the over. I want to be sitting here. I'm going to have to stay up till 4 a.m. to watch this game, Nat. Yeah. I am not betting the under. No, exactly right. <laughs> I'm I, not betting. Yeah. That's I'm, a fair call. For all yeah. listeners out there that pull the night shift, just take the over. Even if you, you have firm conviction it's going to be the under, it's boring to do that. There's nothing worse, really I think, than the only thing worse than a, 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 an under is probably a first half under. <laughs> that's that's even yeah. more miserable. Uh, no. Okay, all right. So a few takes there, I think. And all likes the over, which is interesting. I might look at that. The Super Wildcard Weekend is out of the way. It is time for divisional action. Why isn't the Super Divisional round? Anyway, can the Browns and Baker Mayfield cause another upset? Who's going to win the duel between Breeze and Brady? Combined age, 114 years. And can the Rams, D stop Rogers, Adams and the Packers? Betfred, a double delight on all playoff games. So back a first touchdown scorer. And if he gets into the end zone before anyone else and then grabs a second, they'll pay you out at double the odds. Also, check out the odds on this weekend's games and keep an eye out for price boosts as well. Double Delight singles only. Bets must be placed prior to kickoff to qualify. Betfred rules apply. Full terms at betfred.com forward slash promotions. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. And as always, please gamble responsibly. Uh, speaking of over, that's where I am going, I think, with Browns Chiefs. Uh, even though it's an extraordinarily high number. That's, that's what I feel, I, feel, I feel a little bit more comfortable about. 
but we'll break yeah. down why. Give us the uh, give us the look on in terms of the totals and where the line's looking. So when the Cleveland Browns game finished, my instinct was to immediately go to Betfred and bet the Kansas City spread and the over because yes. I thought that those two, the as you know, buy low, sell high now. Everyone's consideringly quite low on the Kansas City Chiefs because of their recent performance against the Atlanta Falcons, notwithstanding what they did against the Chargers because that was all backups. That Falcons game was the worst game of their season and it came in the most recent game that Patrick Mahomes started. And the Cleveland Browns have just gone and beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers. But as you said, that was heavily because of what the Pittsburgh Steelers did on offense in terms of turning the ball over. Yeah. So I was thinking, I'll take the Kansas City Chiefs here and I'll also take the over-under because the last time we saw these two quarterbacks go head-to-head, Mahomes and Baker Mayfield was one of the best shootouts in college football history yeah neither team is that strong defensively but both very strong offensively and I think the matchups work really well I mean mm-hmm. Kansas City obviously have one of the best passing games in the league if not the best passing game in the league the Cleveland Browns allowed 500 yards to Ben Roethlisberger in the air people are forgetting that total yards side, passing yards first downs the Steelers the steel the, the only key area there was uh was was the running game obviously which which the Steelers have literally nothing. none yeah but in most other areas, they they but now you can say well they were chasing the game they were twenty eight zip down but it's yeah they the Steelers were putting up points on this Browns offense and, yeah. and, and, and causing damage yeah yeah with, with ease. ease exactly yeah. with ease I mean Ben was having an absolute party mm. um, and so I was thinking and then on the other side of the ball obviously Kansas City what's the consistent narrative that they can't stop the run Cleveland Browns had the best offensive line in the league they have two of the best running backs in the league you've got Kareem Hunt coming back against his old team. So I was thinking I'm going to take the over and I'm going to take Kansas City here. Mm-hmm. The over-under when it opened was 56 and is now 57. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City opened at minus 10. Mm. Those are insane numbers what, for minus a 10, round matchup. You're right. You're spot on with that. And look, I, I hear you. I, I, even this year where you know, totals have generally been flying. Although, as you say, for a divisional round matchup, that should correct itself. Look at the look at the Chiefs' loss to the Raiders as a, a bit of a marker here, right? In the same way, we looked at the Bucks uh, Packers game earlier on uh, to give us some kind of indication of okay, in that defeat, the Chiefs gave up a seventy-two yarder to Rugs, a fifty-nine yarder to Aguilar, and a forty-three yard run from Devonte Booker. So I. Th- think that will be the game plan to a significant degree for Stefanski, obviously to establish the ground game. And that's where they're going to, going to make hay. Everybody's favorite stat about the chiefs or take on the chiefs. They can't defend the run. Well, that they can't, they're averaging 122 uh, yards per game, which ranks in 21st in the league. So it's, it's not as bad as, you know, some might say, although I guess, again, you'd argue, well, same thing as with the Bills. The Chiefs often are dominating games. And so you've got to air it out to catch them up. So a little bit misleading, maybe there, but it's not great. It's not a great run D and it is a great rushing attack that the Browns have. And it is reasonable to assume that they will be able to gash and rack things up. And by establishing the run, look at mixing it up and land some big hits as well. So I think the Browns will do that. I think I think the Chiefs win this game. Do I think they win it by double digits? Mm, tougher call. Yeah. But they will put up points on this mm, not great Browns D. 
but I think the Browns will go at least toe to toe for a while. And that's why I like e- e- big number is is I like the over. I like it. Yeah, no, I mean, so do I, to be fair. I mean, it's just like, no matter what the, the, the total was, mm. even if it's at 57. How high like, would you have taken? How high would you go? <sighs> 65. Yeah, you, it wouldn't be... Uh, 60 plus is not... It's like a college game in that sense, yeah. isn't it? it you, it's really not necessarily out of the question. Yeah. Um, and also, at the same time, we had Jason Bell on the show uh, for the reactionary pod to the mm-hmm. Super Wildcard weekend, and he said that the one thing that Spagnolo does is when he sees an obvious strength in an opposition's offense, is he, what he does, he just sells out to take it away. Yeah. And he'll sell out to take away the run game yeah. for this Browns. He actually did. I was looking interesting back at the playoffs last year because obviously they played the two of the best rushing teams in the league in the playoffs last year in the Titans and the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And they basically forced Tannehill and Jimmy G to throw in both of those games. Yep. So he was, Jay Bell is very much on point there. And I think they'll probably do the same here. But then mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield has had a higher QB rating than Mahomes since week nine. So I yep. actually can't wait to watch Baker Mayfield actually have to lead this game and yep. he's probably going to have to come from behind as well even if he goes out into a lead there's going to be a point where the Chiefs are winning this game and Baker Mayfield is going to be on him to take his team down the field utilise Jarvis Landry utilise Rashad Higgins mm-hmm. utilise Austin Hooper and take this game back to Patrick Mahomes and I think he's got the capability to do that I'm higher on Baker than a lot of people are but that's largely to do with what Kevin Stefanski has managed to do with him mm-hmm. so I think, I think the over into- is the play Go into this game as well on that. I think, you know, Baker's going to be more confident than, than ever before in his NFL career, right? He is, they're going into this with confidence. They won the defensive shortcomings notwithstanding comprehensively against the Steelers. They've, you know, shaken off that perennial dysfunctional tag. They are massive underdogs. They've got nothing to lose here against the Chiefs. They're gonna. That's gonna royally wind them up as well. That they're ten point dogs. They're gonna. They're gonna take it to them. And a, a point taken. J Bell's point, and you know, you echoing it. That how Spagnola deals with that again. It's a kind of Belichickian route to neutralize and uh, neutralize the key asset. There's a big question as to whether they're able to execute that game plan though, because this is a really, really impressive ground game. Remember, Batonio's back as well in the line. He was missing last week. Yeah, but Conklin might be out, which is Mm. massive. That's the thing. You've got to keep a close eye on that immediately. There's two massive, massive offensive linemen injury reports to be focusing on this week. And that is one, Mitchell Schwartz, Mm -hmm. who is the tackle for the Chiefs and it's looking like he's most likely not going to play, Mm. which I think the key for the Cleveland Browns in this game and the player who's going to have actually, everyone's going to say it's going to be Nick Chubb, it's going to be Kareem Hunt, it's going to be Mm. Baker Mayfield. I think Mm. the biggest player in this game for the Browns is Miles Garrett. Mm. Honestly, I think that the Chiefs have one of the worst offensive lines. No, okay. Without Mitchell Schwartz, I think they have a very mediocre offensive line, to say the least. I don't, the only reason why they have such good protection statistics is because they've got the best quarterback in the league and because Mm. he's so good at um, evading pressure and utilizing the pocket and escaping the pocket to make plays happen and getting throws off when seemingly it's impossible. But if Miles Garrett can torch 
Eric Fisher at, mm-hmm. that, at that tackle spot, which I think is highly likely. And it's Miles mm-hmm. Garrett. It's a big player. It's a big game. He could do that. Then he could cause the Chiefs a lot of problems. And similarly to Conklin, if Conklin's not there, I know they held Betonio back, but if Conklin's not there, then that will cause massive issues yeah. for the Browns. But right now, looking at the injury reports, it looks very likely that Conklin plays. Mm. It doesn't look likely at all that Mitchell Schwartz plays. Mm. Okay, well, that's an edge definitely to the Browns. Then. Incidentally, that is uh, one of the games. Of course, we break down all the games on a divisional round preview with and Mike, Ollie Hunter in the house as well, of course. Uh, Ollie, uh, part of the Gridiron Crew Talk Sport uh, and a massive Packers fan. So he gives his take on the Green Bay Packers so far. And uh, Iron Mike on the other three games. That pod uh, should have already dropped by the time you're listening to this. So go and check that out on our feeds. Uh, right, final game, Oles. And we like the over, I think is what we're saying on, on that one. Final game, similar injury uh, issues to consider here in the New Orleans Tampa Bay. Brady versus Breeze for the final time. Breeze is almost certainly, if not officially, retiring. That, incidentally, uh, was the subject of my Times column this week. Uh, so we'll push that out as well on, on our social channels if, you, if you're interested. The, nice plug. Thanks, mate. Uh, seamless, I felt. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the injuries I want to talk about here, obviously Ronald Jones and that um, scuppered propos uh, bet last week, a uh, prop bet last week, Ronald Jones going down in warm up last week. So we've got to keep an eye on that because I think that is a fundamental game changer if he doesn't go. Fournette stepped up and credits to Fournette. But if you've got Jones, I think that changes the dynamic of this game quite considerably. The other associated point, if we're talking and to, to follow through on your point about the Chiefs Browns line, respective lines, is that the game earlier on in the season, when Tampa Bay were, were blown away. Tampa Bay's line in was messed up. Yeah, in both games. But I think about the 38-3 yeah. shellacking yeah, in what was yeah. week, week 10, week 9. Because yeah. um, week 1, I'm not, you know, it's week 1, Brady. Yeah, you, know, you can't not, count it. I don't think so, hugely. <sighs> week 9 is more significant, right? Yeah. And the question is, well, why did that happen? How did it happen? And it was partly the same principle as the Brown-Steelers game, I guess, where they were just racing into into control of the game and that you're always in a hole, you know, the, the knock-on effect of your defense is back on the field all the time. Uh, they just get less and less effective. More points get put up. The offense is then chasing the game even more and it's a vicious circle, right? But one of the critical things, and it's something we get into on the divisional pod preview, is the the impact on or the, the injuries on that Tampa Bay line caused all kinds of trouble in that game, right? And they are now at full strength, right? You are now in a very, you're seeing a very different offense now for all kinds of reasons. You know, they've got Fournette able to contribute a little bit, but Fournette and Jones and Jones, if he starts very different dynamic to where they were earlier in the season, Antonio Brown's contributing. Gronk's been getting better as the weeks go by. And as Jay Bell pointed out on, on our show on Monday, not just in terms of his offensive contribution, but the blocking and all the other attributes to Gronk's game that have made him one of the all-time great tight ends. He's not the same as he was seven years ago, but he's certainly a lot better than he was seven, eight weeks ago, right? Um, so this is an altogether different offense that the Bucks are putting up here. So I think there is this emphasis on, well, look at the previous games this season is misleading. Yeah, I completely agree with every point you made. Just to emphasize that even more so, Gronkowski, um, I think I think basically what Bruce Arians has done is realize that to have success in this offense with Tom Brady, he needs to protect him. Yeah, I think that is ultimately what he has worked out. So what he has done is he's basically added Gronk and the tight ends much more to the protecting protection game. 
And I think they see, I think Ryan Clark made this point actually on ESPN. He said mm. that if Tom Brady's protected, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in this league. If he's mm. not, he turns into Sam Darnold. It's basically what happens, which I think right. is a great point. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here. So I think yeah. you are completely correct. I think they've changed their offensive scheme to protect Brady and give him the opportunity to excel the way he can. Just give him the time to pick the passes, read the defenses and do what Tom Brady does. And at the same time, the other player who is also an incredibly elite player historically, I don't necessarily mm. agree with the fact that he's playing in this game but Antonio Brown when he played in that first New Orleans game when they got schlacked he had no idea what he was doing I was listening to a, I was listening to a Bucks beat writer podcaster who said that I think he ran like eight routes which made absolutely no sense there was a pass where he apparently there was a pass where he ended up directly standing next to Gronkowski he just run the same route as Gronkowski like he had <laughs> no idea yeah he had no idea what he was doing yeah. but now I mean he scored touchdowns in the last two games two yeah. important games he is looking like the old Antonio Brown and I think when you consider that everyone talks about the fact that Mike Evans is going to be on Marshall Latimer's island as he always mm-hmm. has been Chris Godwin is going to be taken taking up a lot of the defensive scheming. Antonio Brown is probably going to go up against a cornerback or go up against a defensive player who is nowhere near his standard. Mm. The only issue I slightly have is they've got that uh, Chauncey, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson who yes, is in the yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would I would keep an eye on that. I think we could see some fireworks there. So Big time. There is no doubt that yeah. they're going to send him yeah. up and say, oh, look, definitely. I don't definitely. care if you get a four-game suspension, we'll cover, we'll cover yeah. your salary. Yeah. Just yeah. Take him out. Definitely. But so Antonio Brown's actually my prop bet for the week I think you take the mm. over yardage with him I yeah, think nice. probably be around the 50 yard line and I expect him to probably score a touchdown because I think he is going to be the person that yeah. Tom Brady will need to exploit yeah. and it's all just about and I also just don't think you've got the best the best run defense going mm-hmm. up against the second best run defense mm. So it's going to be really interesting to watch what happens here. New Orleans is 7-1 and one against the spread in its last mm. eight games as the betting favourite. The past two games that we've witnessed have led us to believe that the New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints should win this game easily, but things have changed. Mm. And it's very hard to go 3-0 and against a team in the season, despite the statistics. Yeah, that the true. sweep is actually 20-12 and 12 when teams have faced each other for the third time in the third playoffs. Third time. Yeah, what's a 20 in favor of the person sweeping so oh, okay. New Orleans, so yeah if New Orleans interesting all right 21. so it becomes almost that a 50 50 court yeah. so what is the line at the moment so the line a is on majority of websites it's three but on betfred it's actually three and a half and the overrunners at 51 and a half that looks like it's probably going to go up that's been going up since it opened as well i think the overrunner yeah right? yeah. yeah it has money has been coming in on the over i think i think the best thing about this game that is you've got and now you've got the age, 85 years of quarterbacks mm. playing in this game. You've got two of the best run defenses, the two best run defenses in mm. the whole of the NFL. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to have to see? Those two passing the ball. Yeah, right, right. And I think that, to me, historically, knowing Tom Brady's competitiveness, do you know what's amazing yeah. that is? I'm pretty sure before I started talking and before we started talking, I was probably taking the Saints. Now you're going bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now I think I'm probably leaning towards the bucks. It's Tom Brady. He doesn't want to go out. It's probably Drew Brees' last season. He doesn't want to lose to Drew Brees three times in a row. He's going to do whatever it takes to beat this guy. It's and not Tom Brady's last. I was Breeze's last season. I see what Breeze, you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it's okay. Breeze's like, he doesn't want to go. Tom Brady hates that kind of stuff. This is the uh, exact thing. And Tom Brady uses any motivation he can get. You know, this is one of those games where I, it, it, it's it's so hard to call. If you said, if you showed showed me the end result and said, "Look at this," I mean, the 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 Bucks offense was so static and you know misfiring, and it was just about really clunky and old school. And those things that 
were, were, were an issue early on in the season, although I wasn't buying into too much of, of that negativity and this absurdity that Brady's lost the deep ball and all this stuff. Everyone's getting carried away. But if you showed me that, it wouldn't surprise me. Equally, if you showed me them absolutely coughing, coughing the Saints up, you know, whatever you said about their run, the, you know, Jones runs for 144 yards and two touchdowns. Antonio Brown has 100 yards. I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah. It's so, it's so difficult to call, which I know is, not a huge amount of help to, to our listeners. I think that the, the area that I'm probably leaning on here, despite the, the obvious capability of those defenses is the over and it's getting you know dangerously high now, but I, but I think that we will, as you've perfectly described, see two of the all time greats needing to air it out. And I think they will, they both are talented in so many different ways, but that they're, the same point you made with Aaron Rodgers in terms of, and Wilson for that matter as well, in terms of being able to read the game and adapt their respective lack of mobility. Brady's in particular, it doesn't negate his mobility in the pocket and just that little step either way to, to, to buy him a little bit more time. It's a totally different situation to where we were nine, 10 weeks ago. So I think they'll be able to get this bucks offense chiming and there's absolutely no reason to doubt that even up against a decent Bucks defense that Peyton and Breeze and this cast of weapons around him of course Thomas back in the mix as well Kamara's back and, and rolling they will dial up they will find ways to find holes in the respectively competent defenses so I am leaning over more than a particular side I think yeah, because basically you just want to sit back and watch the game and enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and have a small day. punt on the over to, and, yeah, and ho- exactly. hope we see fireworks. You know? Exactly. So, I think, yeah. I, I, I think I'm leading up. Are you leading? So you, are you thinking bucks? At three and a half, I'm kind of leaning bucks. Mm. I don't think this, I think this game is going to be close. I can't see it being nowhere near the blowout has been in um, recent uh, matchups between the two sides. Yeah. It's and also I, but the one thing that's interesting, and I think this is a point that goes actually potentially against the um, Bucks and also against the over, is the one thing that New Orleans Saints have been absolutely elite at, and I think there is full credit to what Drew Brees and Sean Payton are doing, and that is controlling the clock. Mm. Those drives against the Bears, oh my goodness! Amount the amount of third downs, the mm. amount of five yard gains, the amount of three yard gains, and just mm-hmm. like ticking the clock, going over and over and over, mm. sucking all of the momentum out of whatever Mitch Trubisky was able to do in that first mm. half. And they did that the exact same thing against the Bucks in that thirty-eight and three game. Right, it's a good point. That's what I'm scared of. If the Saints get up early in this game, then I think, and they do yeah. have the capability just to run that clock down and run that clock down. But at the same time, like I just don't see that narrative taking a basically happening in this game. I can't see it happening in this game just purely based off the size of it, of Tom Brady. And the best thing about this, Nat, is what happened last week. Mm. And it's probably the narrative that people aren't focusing on enough is that they prove that Tom Brady can do it in prime time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was in doubt about that. I mean, I, I to be honest, I'm still on the fence about Brady. I still, he still has yeah, stuff to prove. So, he needs to prove uh, stuff to me. I think it's uh, bedtime's too early to be playing this late game as well. I mean, he's going to bed at uh, 8.30 during the week, Nat. You can't then play. That late. What, what he's watching though on Netflix have we worked that out yet it's something yeah. quite random like Brady's like really into the Gilmore girls the crowns <laughs> the crowns <laughs> uh, I bet Brady's uh, watching something like The Shield and gets really wild, really fired up before again yeah, watch yeah. the Big Mackie action alright he doesn't so, watch Netflix he's just watching himself play for American football 
the he's whole probably got time. Some, just watching tape of himself the entire <laughs> yeah. time. Of course he is. What a ridiculous <laughs> question. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get down to our final business then. So we're not rolling with an acre of the week this week because we're not going with three. We're going with a double, right? So yeah. we're going with a money line double. So two of the four. Let's pick one each. How about that? Okay. Oh, should we do it? You, you, yeah, but I'm leaning towards, okay, you pick yours and then I'll give what I, I think that what we should go with. Because I think the one thing that we both really liked, let's mm. be honest, was the over in the Kansas City game. We like the over in the Kansas City game. So I think yeah. well, you could put that in the acre. You can put that in the acre. It's the same as putting a spread in the acre. Okay, thing. yeah, all right. So what, So put that in the... So, okay, so we're taking an over and then two teams. Okay, how about we mix it up? We take an over, a team straight up, and then a team yeah. with, with the points. We're the giving points. them the points. All right, so okay, fine. I'm taking the Bills straight up. You know, you're giving me that look, Cole, for our uh, listeners. This is so tough. This is so tough. This is honestly so tough. Put his two fingers by the side of his cheek and his thumb <laughs> under his chin and gave me that look that we've all had over the years from teachers who just look disappointed. <laughs> but it's the one that I actually, to be fair to you, to be fair yeah. to you, I'm more than happy rolling with Josh Allen. I'm more yeah, than happy with that's it. it. That's it. I'm, I'm, I, look, this is going to be a contentious week. It's going to be it's going to be a gamble in the purest sense, right? So it'll be a pretty decent acre, I'm guessing, at the, in terms yeah. of odds we put it together. So look, for all the reasons we said in the show, it's not clear cut by any stretch. But we have landed this season. Oh, what eighty percent of our acres, something like that. Yeah, yeah it's, good. So it's good. Keep the faith, proper. Keep the faith. Yeah, Buffalo. Okay, what about we like the over in the uh, Kansas City Cleveland game? Yeah, I think we're, I think we're going to take Tampa Bay plus three and a half. Tampa Bay plus three. I'm, I've got I've no problem with that. I've got yeah, no problem. Yeah, I with think that. we are going to take it. I think that's what I'm leaning towards. I think this game's. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that Tampa Bay are going to win this game, but I mm. think three three and a half points is a lot. I think this yeah, game yeah. is undoubtedly going to be close. I think it has to be. All right, I like it. I like it. There we go. Another edge rush in the bag. Huh? Was that good? Was that all right? Yeah, was that, that was good. I'll practice. That, that was good. While you're working through your stats and your grass and your pages and pages of my grass, zero gra- gra- <laughs> graphs, grass. I don't think you've been mowing the lawn at this time of year. Yeah, yeah working through my grass. Yeah, working through my grass. While okay, you're working cool. all of that, I'll be working on my edge rush. There we go. We're done and dusted. Just to recap the pods, we are J Bell with a wild card weekend preview. Worth a listen to that ahead of. The Divisional Round Weekend, some great insight as ever from Jay Bell on the teams you're going to be seeing this weekend. I and Mike, Ollie Hunter in the house for our Divisional Round preview. And we're back on Monday. Greg Brady will help me unpick it all. So the pod's flying thick and fast as we roll towards the Super Bowl. Lots of extra content on the social channels as well. At the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We put videos of all of our shows up on there as well. Uh, so if you want to see the brilliant painting behind Propo that I've been enjoying during the recording of this one, uh, that is where you head. So get involved with our social channels if you haven't already. And finally, last but by no means least, big shout out to all of you who have left reviews for us on whichever pod platform you're listening to us on. There's a lot of love, even more love of Edge Rush. So we appreciate right. that uh, on iTunes. Some uh, listeners are very kindly said they're enjoying the Edge Rush show. So uh, relations of yours, presumably all. Almost certainly. I was wondering that. It must Mark, be. Just Mark Andrews. Out. Yeah, that is definitely what it is. It's definitely he's Mark Andrews. Definitely. He's just creating yeah. loads of burner accounts and he's leaving, yeah. he's leaving reviews. 
that's so go, amazing. Yeah. Go and check that out uh, if you have 30 that. seconds. We massively appreciate that. And it helps spread the word uh, and, of course, keeps the Worldwide Leader happy and, indeed, our fantastic sponsors, Betfred. So loving your work there. Hope you're enjoying ours. We are going to be back Monday with our Divisional Round Review Show. We'll see you then. Bye, all. See you later, Nat. Podcast Network.